Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, good evening, and thanks for joining me for tonight's episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. What do you do when the passion starts to fizzle in your relationship? How do you get that excitement back or set your relationship up for sexual success in the long term? I have a feeling that my guests tonight are going to be able to help with these and more. Tonight, we're joined by Shasta Townsend and Ian Lavely, a married couple and uh, the holistic sex and relationship experts behind Seven Star Love, who were recently voted one of the top 50 relationship experts on earth. Wow. Uh, together, they've built a career out of helping couples and individuals achieve mind-blowing intimacy, love, and connection. Tonight, we'll be exploring how to shamelessly create a passionate marriage and a satisfying sex life that lasts, and how you can get that passion back when things get stale. Thanks for joining us, guys. We are so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having us, Laura. Of course. Yes, of course. Uh, so top 50 relationship experts on earth. Wow. How did that come about? (laughs) I think, you know, we have been uh, offering really a a combination of neuroscience, which we'll talk a bit about that tonight and why that's so important to intimacy, um, as well as Tantra and indigenous teachings. And because of this really unique method, our clients have sensational results and we're starting to get a lot of you know, just great, great stories out there in media picking this up. And I think that is just this time where everybody's wanting more in their life. And so all of this work is starting to come more and more to the forefront. So we're excited about that. Amazing. Well, let's start with your story. You're a married couple who works together to help people find the passion in their relationships. How long have you guys been together? May I ask? We have been together for 18 years. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I know that's awesome. And I know that at one point you were near divorce, but you managed to turn things around completely. Uh, you were able to rekindle that passion, and you've used this to help other people. So how did you guys start working together as a couple? Well, we originally were not working together. Uh, I was, I've been in the realm of uh, helping to heal sexual trauma, wellness, personal development for over 20 years. And I was actually helping women overcome sexual trauma and step into sort of an unleashed feminine sexuality. And I had a ton of female clients that constantly were like, well, what's the male perspective? So I was bringing Ian in onto these coaching calls and into these programs all the time and realized, okay, this is something we should be doing together. We have figured this out. There's an opportunity. Both men and women actually need to hear from men and women, and hence Seven Star Love was born. And, you know, as you said, and I know that you, we're going to talk more about this, We, Ian and I have also had some issues, and because of that, it also made me realize that as women, anyways, I need, you know, we needed to look, I, I needed to look at how do I integrate the, the the partnership side, the marriage side, actually doing this with a man. So that's that's how we started working together. And that's great that it works for you guys. I'm not sure that I could do it. I would really want the ability to miss my partner. 
Um, do you guys ever make a conscious effort to turn things off, like at a certain time? Or are you always working? Because I know I'm always working. <laughs> so if the two of you are working together, like, it would be hard to turn it off. Like, do you guys ever turn it off? Thanks. Sure. Um, yeah, we totally have times where we turn it off and we specifically work um, in that business. And then we we also have uh, a few, we're multipreneurs and like, serial entrepreneurs. So we have other things to focus on too. And then we also make a, make it a priority to make space for one another so that we each have downtime apart from one another. So that things, when we come back together, it's even more uh, explosive. And what does that look like downtime? Cause now we're in COVID, like where's there to go? Well, we both enjoy the outdoors. Um, so it's That's a great, great place to socially distance. Um, like Shasta has a routine where she walks, um, does her walk around uh, our wilderness neighborhood. And um, I'm an outdoors person, fishing, um, harvesting kind of guy. So I get plenty of time alone and the works great to work myself up to get back to spend some time with Shasta. I think one of the ways, you know, that we also create space is that we do have time where we are intentionally, like mentally, emotionally, and physically apart. Even though we're in the same house, I might go into my office and meditate or, you know, just do some sort of alone time in maybe in another part of the house or outside. So we do actually, we, we have created an actual physical space and then mental, emotional space so that every day we're taking care of our own mental health. And then, you know, coming back together as well. And I think that's a big thing, you know, in COVID and a lot of clients that we've worked with is we say to them, you actually really do need to take time every day to take care of yourself. Even if it's 20 or 30 minutes, meditate, do yoga, you know, watch funny cat videos, do something where you're apart and you're actually cultivating some sense of individuality and also joy. And that's a big, you know, I think we actually have to be very intentional about that uh, during this time. Yeah, and I think it's so important sometimes, too, to have a life apart from your partner, you know, not to be uh, with them 24-7. I just feel like that would just get monotonous and boring at times. (laughs) It just makes it so much more exciting when you have your own thing going on, and then when you come together, it just seems that much more special. So I'm glad you guys do that. So you were close to divorce, and it seemed like things were heading that way. why were things going that way, and what made you decide to give things another try? Like, how did you guys do this? Well, when things were heading that way, we had really started to take our relationship and each other for granted. Um, and for granted, my meaning, we didn't, like, we didn't think we had to work on a relationship. Um, and from my point of view, that was the, you know, Shasta was the love of my life, and I knew if I couldn't work it out with her, I wasn't going to be able to work it out with anybody. And what we did to overcome that was we took radical responsibility for who we were being and how we were showing up. Mm-hmm. And the big thing was we stopped making assumptions about what the other person was thinking. Right. And Shasta? I think that, you know, I think of what, how do we get that way is for sure, as Ian said, you know, we were taking each other for granted um, and just not knowing that actually in relationship and marriage and intimacy that you actually needed to 
be intentional. And not that it has to be a lot of work, it doesn't, uh, but basically I was modeling, you know, not such great relationship models that I'd had earlier in my life, and I thought, well, you, you marry somebody, this is just the way it is, and it wasn't until things started to fall apart that I realized that it actually was, I had stopped Devote, I had stopped devoting myself, my energy to my partner, to my sex life, to my marriage, and let everything else take priority. And having this realization that if you don't nurture something in your life, of course it's going to fall apart. And making that decision of literally that night where Ian said, I guess we're getting a divorce. I mean, it was like a dagger in my heart. And me realizing, like, I have to take a real look at what's going on because I've been in the story of he's such a jerk and it's it's his fault and he's the reason that I'm unhappy and he's the reason all of these things and realizing like, oh, okay, I understand actually how to create reality. I understand all of these tools and I need to pause and take a look at what's actually going on in my marriage. It was a reflection of who I was being. And as Ian said, you know, taking that moment to be like, I have to take responsibility where I think so much in relationship, we're in this state of blame and shame. And even so much of like therapy and counseling and so much conversation is like, well, if you show up differently, then I'll be happy. And it was this moment, I think this catalyzing moment where it was like, oh, no, I have to really look at who I'm being, put my shield down, which I did as a woman. And then he met me in this place. You know, it'd be years I was saying, can we have a conversation? Can we go deeper into things? Can we look at things? And I always felt like there was this wall. And then all of a sudden, because I dropped my defenses he showed up in this place of saying, you know, hearing those words, like, you're the love of my life and I want to work it out with you. It was like this revelation of this man that I had married but had kind of lost and I had lost. So that's a long answer, but it's it's not a long no, answer. that's awesome. No, it like, really is that. We just, I yeah. think so many of us, we don't know how to be in relationship until relationships are falling apart or things aren't working. And then it's a realization of, you know, what do I want and who am I going to be in this? And I love that. And I know that, that things can get complicated um, where there's a point of no return in a relationship depending on the incidents that have occurred. But thanks for sharing because I think that there are a lot of people who need to hear that right now, that, you know, that there is hope and you can turn things around if you both put in the effort. And we need to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes that couples make that leads to loss of passion. Stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca with my guests, Shasta and Ian from Seven Star Love, who are giving us their inside tips on keeping the passion in their relationship alive. Let's dive right back in. Okay, guys, now moving on to the other couples who might be struggling to keep the passion in their relationship, people who feel that things have grown stagnant and there isn't excitement anymore. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that couples make that leads to this loss of passion? Who wants to go first? Let me start that off because I want to just follow up. You know, 
here's the thing is that we do have an actual programming, the way that our brains are set up, if I can talk about neuroscience, because I think it's so interesting to actually learn how we're wired. So we have, the way our brain is wired is that we get familiar with the familiar. We get comfortable with it. We actually literally are wired almost to take things for granted. So like I said earlier, I started to take Ian for granted. He took me for granted, as he said. And so one of the things in relationship is that we actually things become dull because they become familiar. Mm-hmm. And part of what also happens is we have a part of the brain that actually looks for issues. So it's like, you know, someone can give you 99 compliments and one person will say something slightly negative and your mind, your brain will actually fixate on the one thing that you perceived as negative. And it's a little bit of how our brain and neurobiology is set up. And it's the same in relationship. And so if I'm with somebody long enough, I'm going to accumulate a sort of treasure trove, annoyances, bitterness, and resentment. Well, it's very hard to get turned on when I'm, you know, nurturing this bitterness, this tension. And most people don't actually speak to those things. It's not something where we're like, you know, you left the toilet seat up or you left the dirty dishes and it kind of irritated me or... Uh, can we make a new agreement around this? Most people are trained to just keep that to themselves and to nurture these things. So over time what happens is that part of ourselves, when we first fell in love or we felt that desire, it, it feels as though it's faded. And what gets replaced is all of these stories of how my partner disappoints me or irritates me or didn't show up for me. And at the same time, what many people are doing in committed relationship and marriage is we fall into what are called role mate relationships. We might have started out as more what we would call soulmate love, like I feel devotion, I feel passion, but quickly people allow responsibilities, we allow the day-to-day, raising children, paying mortgages to take over, and we fall into a role mate. So here's the man or woman that's helping me, you know, navigate certain qualities of life and certain responsibilities, rather than saying, How do I actually, you know, what is this relationship really about? What do I need to do? What do we need to do to facilitate passion and to facilitate this? And one of the things to do, if we go back to this neuroscience perspective, is it's so simple. You actually have to look for things to get turned on about. When you're early in your relationship, when you have that magnetic passion for each other, you don't have to think this way. You like, you think the sun shines, you know, out of them. But when you are in this place, literally how our brain gets comfortable with things and people then say, well, you know, marriage is destined to fall apart. No, understand how your brain is wired and begin to say, what are the things that I actually want to look for in my partner? So every single day, Ian and I will actually say words of appreciation to each other. We'll actually look for the goodness. And I'll even notice in myself, like, oh, there's that story of irritation or whatever that might be, and he does the same thing. And it seems like it's actually so simple that it's so profound. So the more that I begin to nurture these stories of appreciation, desire, things that I want to feel you know, excited about in my partner and in my relationship, I mean, it's as simple as, you know, like, oh, he looks great in that shirt, or we made dinner together, or it doesn't have to be eight hours of passionate, you know, tantric lovemaking. Literally, this idea that we need to be aware of how we're wired. Eight hours. Patterns. Eight hours. (laughs) It's a long time. (laughs) You have stuff to do, don't you, Laura? (laughs) I got to be on Clubhouse. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. 
Yeah, and some people love to fight for the makeup sex, but that never worked for me. I always tend to hold on to that bitterness and that and and the last thing I want to do is have sex with you. <laughs> so, um how about, you know, like the one of the most common mistakes that I see couples make at that is that they're not actively listening to one another or they're taking their partner for granted and pushing aside problems because they don't want to cause an argument. And it's just so much better to openly address any issues that you have and discuss your emotions honestly. And by doing this, you can actually improve your connection and level of trust in your partner. How do you guys feel about that? Um, I'm, I totally agree, too. I think that um, communicate, everything starts with communication um, with your partner. And this might seem really cold. But Shas and I have agreements on everything. Like we don't have like legal documentation on who's responsible to take care of this or who's going to take care of that. But we have an agreement on everything, and we we openly talk every day to one another about our needs and our wants. But we don't we don't hide anything from one another. And if somebody lets one of us let something down in the agreement, we have an open conversation about it with honesty and compassion and say like, why did this happen? We never want to get to a place where we're um, in an argument scenario where we're throwing words out that we're, you know, set in anger that are just going to create a big hurt. And I think the thing, you know, to keep in mind in all of this, it's also, you know, how you approach relationship and marriage. So we've approached our relationship as we want our relationship to be a place where we grow as individuals. And so that means actually looking at the patterns so important. You know, that we were in. So one of my early childhood patterns is I, I didn't share things. I kept things to myself. I was an independent kind of person. And... Ian, Ian was always like, I want you to talk to me and share things. So what actually had to happen was I had to say, yes, I need, we need to communicate. Yes, we need to talk about things. But I need to understand the importance of that and see that this is an old pattern of defensiveness, of fear, of, you know, like sort of this independence as protection. And so I think it's, it's definitely one thing to say to people you need to communicate, but I think it's to help them really understand why that is so essential. And if you are in a relationship to grow and expand and grow together, then those are things that need to be on the table. But for me, that was a new way of looking at relationship. It's often what we help people do rather than saying, I have to say defend it or do my own individual thing. Um, and that's when you get lies, betrayals, unsaid things, and resentments. I love all of what you guys have said. And how about those couples that are always waiting for things to be okay? I I often hear couples say things like, hey, we'll be happy, you know, once we put in that pool or we'll be, you know, we'll have more time together once the kids get older. But what they are doing is delaying happiness and, you know, not enjoying their relationship or their lives in the presence. And what they should be doing is actually embracing uh, wherever they find themselves. Um, I mean, there's going to be periods when, you know, you have less time for one another and, and times when you experience serious challenges, but these obstacles can be opportunities to grow stronger as a couple if you accept what's happening now and work on being as happy as you can be in your current circumstances. 
Absolutely. And I think that if we, you know, we go really deep underneath that is that those are always, and I say this with compassion, but transparency, like those are always excuses. So we can have an excuse around everything and we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is that excuse really about that I have to wait for this or wait for that or someday? And usually it's a fear, you know, it's a fear of vulnerability, it can be a fear of intimacy, and it can be reasons that we build, you know, this distance and these walls in our life. The truth is in any intimate relationship needs to be the priority and we need to shift the way that we look at it. So often in our culture, marriage intimate relationship is seen as a distraction. It's seen as a problem. It's seen as a hurdle. People put a lot of things before, you know, their intimate life and their intimate partner. And I'm not saying that, you know, that you need to give up your career or you're going to stop being a go-getter or you're going to stop being a great parent. But we need to look at, you know, what, what am I really using as an excuse? And I know from personal experience that I used to be like, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I don't have time, I don't have time. And when I really dove underneath it, it was actually like, oh, it's actually this fear of real deep intimacy. It's this fear of loving and being loved at that, at that level. So I say, mm, I understand that life is busy. I'm super busy too. But don't tell me that you actually don't want passion, excitement, love, and, and, and all of the juiciness of what comes with that now, not 40 years from now. That's beautiful. And is that something you experienced with Ian? Like the realization that I'm experiencing fear in my relationship? Or was this yeah, something I feel like it's, Ian? Absolutely. You know, when we were in this place of near divorce and I look at what the heck was really going on, it's like, oh, here's all the stories of fear of how, of loving somebody, of really being vulnerable, of really opening myself up to a man, uh, all the you know trauma from previous in my life, and then there's different stages. I mean, there's even at the start of COVID, you know, we had a lot of plans, a lot of things in place, and I could feel this old energy come up where I was like, shoot, I'm going to literally be locked down for like the next however long, and I could feel that sort of panic, and I had to be like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. This is a great opportunity. This is an opportunity to go a little bit deeper into. You know, what is that? And it's not, it's not something like, oh, my God, you know, this has to be so hard. It's just like, oh, I have actually an opportunity to look at myself and look at what's coming up for me, be of higher service in my marriage, but also, you know, with clients, because a lot of the people that we worked with had the exact similar reaction because we don't have those distractions. You know, we have to be like, oh, I'm confronting these deeper things in myself that um, maybe either I thought I dealt with or I didn't even know they were there. And that's a great thing. That's awesome. That's why marriage intimacy, sex, you know this, Laura, is so juicy because people, it's the, it's the sacred mirror. You get to work out your stuff with somebody who actually has your back and wants to be there, and that's how, you know, we approach this with when each other. When you find the right person. Yeah, absolutely. That's that. And, but there's that person for all of us, and allowing that to come in, I think for me that was the big thing is I had to actually allow myself to be loved at that level by a man, and it was terrifying at yeah. the time. So I want to ask you one more question around that. So how were you able to overcome that fear? As, as This is something that I see that cripples so many people when it comes to relationships. There's that fear of intimacy, that fear of rejection, that fear of getting hurt. So they sabotage relationships. And how are you able to get over that fear? Like, because many people need therapy. Um, was that something that you um, seeked or... Did you just come to the realization on your own? So we found for us that therapy wasn't 
super helpful. Um, and for me personally, uh, you know, this is the techniques that we use with people is actually neuroscience, tantra, and shamanic techniques. And so here's the thing in all of that is it's actually a shift. So for me and a lot of people that we work with, and, you know, Ian, you have your perspective on this, is I made a decision that I did not want to live this way anymore and that I actually didn't want to spend decades fixing myself or sorting it out. And because I have a background in spirituality and human potential, I said to myself, how good can life be? And what is the thing that's actually really stopping me? And do I want to be a victim of my own fear, my early childhood, my sexual trauma? No, I don't want to be that way. I want to live a life of greatness and passion. So then it becomes that decision, which then becomes what are the tools that I actually need? What's the support that I need in my life? And honestly, making a decision to do that every single day. And I think for many of us, we don't actually realize how good life, relationship, and love can be. And I, Ian and I have always kind of been explorers, like, mm, you know, how, how good can it be? Why not go down that path rather than facilitating these areas of fear and, oh, my God, I'm such a victim and it's going to take thousands of years to heal this. really was a decision and then getting the, you know, the, the tools to make that shift quickly. Thanks for that great advice. What a great conversation here today. Uh, we're talking about keeping the passion alive in your relationship. And when we come back, how do you avoid hitting the boring stage in a relationship? Don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, joined by my guests, Shasta and Ian from Seven Star Love, who are giving us some tips to bring the passion back to your relationship. Ooh. Thanks for joining us. All right, you say monogamy does not have to be monotony. A long-term relationship doesn't have to be boring. As relationships last, there are so many factors that can come into play when it comes to this loss of passion. Things like, you know, raising children, getting too comfortable with each other, letting go of that exciting romantic side of things. Um, do you think that it has to be this way or is it possible to keep things hot always? How do you avoid hitting that boring stage? Well, I believe I believe it it can last and it can be hot all the time, um, and really it's just a decision. Um, we can decide what we want our life to look like, and we just have to like skip the societal trap where um, we get caught into believing that life is supposed to be hard and passion's supposed to fade. You know, we're as humans, we're so wired to be part of a tribe, and we want to be. Um, tell our sad story that we yeah, are in a passionless marriage or we're not getting along and that's just the way it's supposed to be. But really it's just a matter of getting down to deciding what you really want in your life and what you really need and then having that conversation with your partner. Would you agree, Shasta? Absolutely. You know, I think that, as we said also, it's it's a shift often in our thinking that our intimate relationship, our sex life, can actually be a place of great expansion, joy, you know, ecstasy, all of these things, rather than a hassle. 
And so that, again, is a shift in our thinking and prioritizing that. I mean, you hear us say that again and again, that it actually does have to be a priority. We have to nurture the things that we want in our life in order to have unshakable connection. You have to make make it a priority to actually cultivate that. And again, as we said earlier, it doesn't have to be a lot of work or take hours and hours. It's the things like, what am I doing outside the bedroom? Am I showing appreciation? How do I speak to my partner? Am I still taking care of myself? Do I look for things to get turned on about? Do I cultivate my own sense of desire, my own sexual current? And that's going to translate then to, I want to be with this person. I want to keep the fire alive. And it's not even that I have to keep it alive. It's the natural sort of outcome of the relationship that I have and to also prioritize sex in our life. And most of us don't. And there's lots of reasons for that. Yeah. Uh, this most is a most people have it on a schedule. If at all. Right? <laughs> if at all. Uh, Tuesday at uh, 9 p.m., we're having sex. <laughs> like, it's just so weird. Some people schedule everything. I mean, I'm more spontaneous. I guess that's just odd to me. But sorry, continue. <laughs> No, and I think, I mean, it's, it's, I think with the scheduling of sex, it's for people who need that container, we, I say, fine, put that in place, but be in the mindset of something to look forward to, not like, oh, I have to tick another thing off my to-do list, or it's like my weekly duty. Instead, it's like, this is the time where I'm completely present, completely focused, and enjoying myself, and if you need to schedule it, schedule it. But don't. it's really everything, as you know, is like it's how we approach things. So approach it with a joy and passion and desire rather than like, oh, God, another Wednesday night. Right. And I think that you really need to put in the effort to spice things up in your relationship. Maybe explore your fantasies. Be open with your partner and let them know about a fantasy of yours, even if it's just a small one. And then maybe find ways to incorporate it. Or how about playing games? Do you guys ever play games? <laughs> I know that there are a lot of adult games, even simple things like dice that, that will help, you know, um, try, help you guys try something new in the bedroom. Do you guys ever do anything like that? We haven't. And what we have done, Ian is very good about communicating. He is such a great communicator. He literally will say, are the things that you want to try or the things that we haven't done? Are there things that I could do differently? I mean, he's so transparent and such a strong um, sense of presence. And so I think probably comparatively we have in some levels not a hugely like uh, fantasy, like I I I don't even know how to describe it. We have an amazing ecstatic sex life. And it's not because we are using all these toys or we're doing all these props or it's that we have such a deep level of connection. The sex itself is very good. It's gourmet sex and it's gourmet for both of us. Um, (laughs) I think you need to figure out, you know, what does work for you and Mm -hmm. keep growing together. You know, decide what does work for you, work for your partner and keep growing together. I love that. And taking charge, this is one tip I'll give. Uh, Take control next time you get intimate by setting up some sort of rule like no kissing or no touching on their end. And it really builds this anticipation, seeing how long that they can hold back. (laughs) And then also like introducing toys in a relationship. 
hey, my, my friend owns a toy company, and during COVID, his business quadrupled. <laughs> so he's doing something right there. Um, and introducing toys into your relationship can be a great way to learn about new things that, that turn the both of you on. Do you guys use toys? No, we're not really uh, toy people either. I think we, uh, um, for us, uh, our our sex life and our orgasm, um, you know, starts with our, I think, starts in our with our spiritual connection and in our brain, and we just take it from there. Um, we've actually never um, tried a, a toy thing or anything like, uh, I don't know, um, anything along that lines of playing a game or toys. Well, that's excellent. That's fantastic. Amazing show today. We're talking about how to bring the passion back in your relationship. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to start bringing excitement back into your lives. We'll be back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back. This is the Dating and Relationship Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with my guests, Ian and Shasta from 7 Star Love, who are giving us some pointers for keeping the passion alive. Here we go. All right. Based on your experiences, guys, um, with couples going through this struggle, what do you think is the one thing that a couple should do immediately to deepen connection and fire up passion? Well, I'll uh, take that first. And speaking from the male side, I think one of the most important and hardest yet easiest things to create connection for men is to take our armor off and just soften a little bit. We're all raised, uh, young men, especially I'm in my 40s, to be hard and not show any emotion. But I think one of the most important things we can do for our partner is to soften a little bit and open up, and it'll allow them to open up too. What do you think, Shasta? Yeah, I would say, you know, really look at intimacy and sexuality, especially for women. It needs to be a sense of safety, a sense of feeling secure, a sense of feeling at ease. Not that it's all 100% on the male partner, uh, but definitely having that, uh, you know, I used to say to Ian, you can't hug a cactus. It's really hard to make love to a cactus. Um, so that openness from a male perspective is definitely going to invite in the female side. And then I would just really quickly say one of the easiest things is look for something to get turned on about. There is definitely something that can spark desire. Look for it and actually nurture it. Amazing, amazing, guys. Um, okay, so let's be real here. All right, talking about sex with your partner Uh, It's not always easy for us to do. We might feel embarrassed um, or worried about how it might make them feel if things aren't going well in the bedroom, let's say. How do you approach your spouse to talk about intimacy and sex in a way that is non-threatening? I think the the easiest way to start is start with compassion and, and lead with compassion and curiosity. You know, if you're, you know, when you're getting to the point where you're going to have sex, you're naked and you're exposed. So you're already going to be feeling emotionally naked and exposed. So the first thing you can do is just ask questions and ask questions that 
you know, are going to be filled with compassion where your partner is going to feel like they're supported. And the worst thing you can do is make demands on what you want. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. You know, I mean, it's like what are the things that are the most triggering to talk about? It's usually money and sex. And yet what are the two things in relationship that you need to actually talk about? Money and sex. And so we need to, to, I agree with absolutely everything Ian said, and we need to understand that these are still triggering conversations, and we have so much shame around that. So approaching our partner and ourselves from that level of compassion, I mean, don't even attempt to have those kind of conversations when you feel triggered or you're tired or you're annoyed. And as Ian said, it's more of a, of a conversation around curiosity. You know, what would feel good for you? Is there anything that would be more meaningful? What does sex even mean to you? What, is, what, you know, what would be um, a great experience for you? These are questions that most of us have never like, had a partner actually ask us. So one of the easiest ways to talk about it is just to actually have this sort of conversation around curiosity instead of making demands or keeping things completely to ourselves and those resentments come out in another way. And I can see the sex talks happening during sex uh, while you're in the act. Do you, do you guys agree? Um, it can happen. It does happen that way. And I think, you know, often in our sex life and couples that we work with, we teach people on how to, like, give feedback in the moment that's meaningful so nobody feels shut down or judged. But I think that the deeper level of sexual conversation that we're talking about probably needs to happen before. You know, it's not uh, in the middle of it that I'm having these, these, you know, deeper lengthy conversations. But there is absolutely ways of giving feedback while you're having sex. And a lot of that actually is nonverbal. There's things where you need to pay attention. Be present to your partner. Notice how they're moving, how they're responding to you. What are the sounds that they're making? You know, what does their face look like? What's their breathing look like? That's actually all communication. And we need to actually be present to that and be willing to actually see it, hear it, feel it, and then respond accordingly and not get triggered or feel judged in any way. And so that's also why, you know, learning how to actually be in the moment and be literally in the now is so essential because you'll get that immediate communication, beautiful communication. Okay, guys, last question. Why is sex so important in a relationship? Sex is the glue that actually holds your relationship together. It's what makes it an intimate relationship, a committed relationship. It's essential for that deeper level of connection, passion, and joy. I love it. Without sex, what is there? <laughs> Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. Um, where whether you're in a Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. Whether you're in a relationship or you've been married for a while, we hope that you will be able to take these tips from Shasta and Ian and use them to bring the passion back in your relationship. Where can people get a hold of you guys? We are at Seven, literally the number seven, sevenstarlove.com. And we're also on Instagram at the seven star love. You guys are amazing. Definitely a couple to look up to. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about matchmaking so you can put these tips to work one day, <laughs> catch me on Instagram at official Laura Bellotta and also the dating and relationship show on Instagram. And check out my website singleinthecity.ca all the information is there thank you once again guys for joining me tonight ciao for now see you next week <laughs>